I have a treat for you today. Back for the third time, we have Tumas Ranakari. Now, Tumas is a musician, composer, ethnomusicologist, and a PhD student. And he joins me on Imperfect Action to discuss befriending uncertainty. Now, the first time he was on the podcast, we discussed joy and inspiration. The second time he was on the show, we talked about grieving and the parts of modern life that block our own connection to ourselves. And this time, it's uncertainty. As always, both philosophical and practical, the focus is not just on, on uncertainty, but on making friends with it, which is such a different approach, not just living with it, but getting comfortable and welcoming it. We talk about the danger of knowing, of how by accepting what we don't know, in other words, accepting that there isn't certainty in the world, it allows us to be productive and to stay focused on what brings us joy and inspiration. And then we go into getting quiet and seeking inspiration by actively not doing, which by the way, doesn't come easy for a lot of us. And so to help out with that, Tomas leads a, a 10 minute or so exercise to really get into how do you actively not do? How do you listen to the stillness? And it really takes us about 10 minutes or so to settle into the discussion. But from that point on, it really gets going and we go deep and we also go practical, which is one of the things that I really appreciate about our conversations. Now, his episodes in the past are, are both in the top 10. In fact, one of them is the number one most downloaded episode on Imperfect Action. I think you're going to love this one as well. And I'm very, very excited to be able to share it with you. Welcome to Imperfect Action. This is, of course, Brock Edwards. And today I have a returning guest. I have Tuomas Ranakari. And he was actually a guest back in episode 40. And we talked about aligning with inspiration, living an authentic life with impact, joy. And then uh, on episode 71, we talked about wisdom traditions and really looking at, uh, well, grieving, looking at the, the lament or the cry song and some myths of the modern age that were really blocking us from connecting uh, and being authentic, uh, you know, connecting to ourselves. And both of those have been popular episodes. In fact, the Wisdom Traditions episode is the most downloaded episode on Imperfect Action. And the other one was uh, is not currently ninth. And uh, so anyway, I'm excited about this conversation. We have uh, some uncertain times here. So Tomas, uh, can you just introduce yourself briefly? And then we'll go from there. Well, um, well, here I am again, and very happy to be here, and thanks for inviting me back once, once more. And um, I'm a musician, as most of you already know, and um, ethnomusicologists have been working a lot with indigenous communities, mainly in the Arctic areas, um, and um, that has gained some perspective on my own worldview and change a lot of lot of things how I address things. Shamanism uh, has become quite a big part of my my own personal life and uh, and uh, my first solo album as a violinist was called Shaman Violin, and somehow people have started calling me a shaman violinist after that album, even though it was meant to be just an album in time, you know, 
name for the album, not my name. <laughs> but, you know, things like this happen in a world. So what, uh, let, let me ask, uh, Tomas, what, so what is ethnomusicology? Ethnomusicology studies, um, well, there's a broad answer that is that there's musicology, which which studies music in a in a very traditional Western concepts. So uh, a musicologist usually um, studies Beethoven symphonies and or or the music's relationship to those uh, times of those great composers and so on, or just technical things within the music, the the structure and harmony and such things. Uh, whereas ethnomusicologists tend to study anything else in music. So, so um, uh, some ethnomusicologists, they study uh, music in computer games, film music. And a big part of ethnomusicology is, is linked to anthropology and, uh, and, and ethnographic work, working with... with um, Working with uh, here in Finland, we we work a lot with our own tradition and our own folk music and traditional music and study those things. But also ethnomusicology studies a lot of a lot of world cultures and and other other traditions than one's own tradition and have a dialogue with those um, those cultures. So. Uh, but its folk, focus is always on music. So maybe that's that's an adequate answer for for this purpose. Sure. And, and then, um, so you, you mentioned uh, shamanism, and, and so I don't know exactly what that is. Could could you just describe a little bit what shamanism is? Well, that's a lovely thing to say because I think it it would be very dangerous to start to say that that we know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many ways to look at it, but certainly shamanism is something very universal and something that um, is it's. The shamans are an essential part of indigenous cultures. And uh, shamans have also been uh, somehow present in the in the past of many many other cultures, like here in Finland, for example. W- if we go back in history to the times of hunter gathering societies in in the soil of Finland, shamanism was there too. So, shaman is often considers as, as an intermediator between the worlds of the spirit world and and uh, and uh, the physical world and um, they were often healers in a way you could say that uh, a, a shaman in in the past times combined several occupations they could be entertainers in in the in the sense that they knew a lot of mythical songs they they were usually very gifted in some art form that that held knowledge of the tradition within those arts and they were often healers could be very practical healing well healing of course always is practical but now i'm i'm meeting uh i i mean like 
knowledge of herbs and the use of herbs or knowledge of muscles and and uh, physical structure and how to manipulate those kind of things and they were all of course um they had religious authority they had they were people who 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 were often asked questions and and uh, asked for help in in uh, matters that concerned the non-physical uh, realms of life gosh what a long answer <laughs> <laughs> well it's not easy it's not easy to define these things because uh like usually like if we start to talk about god here now um most of the listeners think that they know what we are talking about but at the end of the day my experience of god is definitely something else than someone else's experience of god and we 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 are never sure that we are going to talk about the same thing at all <laughs> so hence my skepticism with this well so ethnomusicology um shamanism but what most people probably know you for those who know you is you know you, you mentioned you're a musician yeah, you, you, you play yeah. in a folk, folk metal band, Corpoclani, and yes, one of the things that I mean we're going through right now is a time of uncertainty, and you know this is being recorded in mid-April. Um, coronavirus is, is rampant throughout the world. The world is dealing with uncertainty now. The world's always dealing with uncertainty. This just happens to be the uncertainty of the moment, and it's a big one. I, I don't want to minimize that at all. And in fact, for for many people. Um, a lot of my friends are, are speakers or consultants and, you know, all within about a day of each other, they all reported their business for the year had gone away, just evaporated. Everyone canceled on yeah. them. I assume being a musician, that happened with you as well? Yes, and, yes, it certainly did. And and probably even before than, than with consults, because uh, our our businesses to to play to large crowds so the first events that got cancelled were were mainly concerts and and uh, and large public events and most likely they will be the last ones to return to so that's uh that's a lot of uncertainty right there and absolutely so how i mean every everyone deals with things differently and everyone's situation is different but how are you doing? How how have you been dealing with this time off that you weren't expecting to have? Well, I'm I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I mean, good good to hear. Yeah. Tell us more. I mean, I'm really I'm really having a good time at, at the moment. I'm really savoring this as 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 a big opportunity, and I'm very thankful for for a lot of things that are unfolding and have have happened. Um, some of them are very personal and some of them are more global and more about societies. Um, just briefly about society here in Finland, we've, we've followed the rest of the world in politics so that our language towards each other in, inside of politics and political opinions have gone more harsh. Um, the the political correctedness has gone to the to the trash bin uh just like 
almost everywhere else. And and uh, in within recent years, there's been uh, the talk has been more ugly and ugly. And I think you could definitely relate to this in in US. And now, thanks to this, all this is gone here. Like like. I don't remember a time in my life that I would have witnessed in Finland all of the political parties actually putting people first and uh, collaborating and really truly collaborating and uh, and appreciating one another and showing that to the public. So I think that's quite beautiful and uh, I hope it stays that way. <laughs> Um, so that's that's one of the beautiful things I, I'm witnessing here in Finland happening. Also, communities. The now that we we are restricted and in isolation, so much beautiful things have happened. How just in my own neighborhood, um, we can we can still walk outside here. This is this is not a densely populated area, so we we. We can easily have the social distancing and, and still go out for a walk. So people are putting teddy bears onto the windows so so that the kids in the neighborhood have more things to do outside. And also it's kind of a way to show that, you know, we are all here. We are doing something here together. Um, so those um, just the first things that came to my mind about witnessing some beauty here you're still there i am i okay, am good. yeah so, <laughs> so what, what what have you learned uh what, what have you learned about yourself during this time well uh that's that's a that's a good question and 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 also i think it's something that that is good to ask a musician right now because all of us in who are freelancers, no matter where we work at, uh, we've we we come to terms with uncertainty by the nature of our work. Like there are no long contracts, there are, there are no um, permanent jobs. So uncertainty is something that is very common in in my own life, and. Um, and uncertainty is something that has become a friend in my own life. It's not a problem. It's not a stress factor. It's something that is always there and something that I've learned to appreciate. I've learned to have it as an accompany. And um, the thing is that I... I, the, in, in a Buddhist traditions, they say that it takes 10 years of practice to become comfortable with I don't know. And uh, I, 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 I can testify that in my own life, that it's not easy to be comfortable with not knowing. But there's a great value when when you finally reach that place where 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 you where where you actually become a friend with I don't know, and the biggest gift that I feel in it is that whenever we say that I know, we've defined the world, 
we've defined our place in the world. We've, we've, we've defined it and then we stick to it. And we need some other evidence to come to stop us and, and interfere with it before we stop and analyze and, and rethink things about is this still useful? Is, is my definition of what I know, is it still useful? And um, surprisingly often when we really know about something, it becomes outdated very quickly. It might be effective, it might be the best possible solution for some time, but often it's not the best possible solution for a very long time. So when you really are open to this, I don't know, when you, when you say, I don't know, you are, you are actually accessing beyond definition. You're going beyond, you stop defining things, you, you stop putting them into a box. And you open up to something that you don't see, something that you don't know, but something that somehow you can sense that is there. We all know that our perceptions are limited. We all know that our knowledge is limited. So when we just relax into that knowing of not knowing, <laughs> we actually open up to new possibilities and we start to listen more than talk. Makes sense, right? Yeah, you've, you've touched on a little bit of my next question for you there, um, you know, that listening piece and being open to not knowing. But that is a, you know, the uncertainty is a, a driver of fear. It's a driver of panic at the extremes. Um, we, we typically, people try to deal with uncertainty by minimizing it, by finding a source of control in their world. So what were you able to do that allowed you to make friends with uncertainty? You know, you, you, you mentioned that your job as a musician is always uncertain and some would go to the extreme of trying to minimize that um, and how I guess they organize their life um, or just being anxious all the time. Um, Yeah. But yeah, but, there, there definitely are musicians that are anxious all the time. (laughs) So how did you come to just be able to, and I love the wording, you know, it became a friend, not just something you yeah. deal with all the time, but you know, a source of comfort almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, first of all, you have to test these things. You have to go through the, through that uncomfortable threshold and see what happens. And, and you, you have to do it several times before not knowing and uncertainty comes a friend to you. But just um, going to my past, um, just uh, in financial terms, it, it was pretty common to me 10 years ago that um, I knew about two or three weeks um, to the future about, about uh, my work. So, uh, of course, there were some gigs here and there that were were within a month or two, but you know those don't really add up to to making a living. 
So uh, if you are in this kind of situation that often the freelancers are, um, you can approach that situation in a way that, okay, I know that my money is going to run out after two weeks. I know, I know at this moment that the, my income, I know what I have and I know my income, I know the, the minimum, minimum expenses that I have to be paying. So I know that I will be broke at that day in within two weeks or 10 days or whatever. So that's certainly a stressful situation if you approach it like that. And uh, the, the, the bad news is that if you get emotionally involved with this idea, you get attached to it too. And at that moment that you have an attachment to this story that within two weeks you're going to end up broke, you will actually start seeing the world a little bit differently. You, you start to see the world through your own anxiety. And um, that's not very appealing. And also, it's not um, at that kind of a state of mind, you are not open to, to the unknown. You are not open to the possibilities that might be there waiting for you. So when I was in these situations before repeatedly, I just learned a practice of, of accepting that I don't know. I don't know that what will happen in two weeks, no matter how I count the money I have, the expenses and what's coming in, it, it's not that it's definitely going to be so. You know, I, there's no way of me of knowing how many people are thinking of me and wanting to dial my number, but just haven't called quite yet. And, uh, and um, also another thing is that if you worry and worry and worry, you, you, you lose your activity, you lose your productivity, you lose the joy once again. So to me, allowing this uncertainty to just be, um, help me to be productive, help me to focus on the things that I love about in what I do, keep on doing those regardless of, of any known reward anywhere, and just keep on doing these things from the joy and passion that I have for those things. And somehow it just magically always worked out. And uh, I think one of the ways to explain this magic is that when you are aligned with, with your own inspiration, you are aligned with the things that you really are here to do. Um, you are also with your mind, you are open for opportunities. You are open for suggestions that, that, that you might not see otherwise. You are open for things that, that, that would be hidden if you would be just worrying. So, so, so this, you know, experiencing this over and over again, that, 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 okay, this feels absurd that I don't react to this with stress. This is, this is not what most people are doing and it feels absurd, but I'll do it anyway. And then pausing repeatedly and look back and say, well, it worked out. It worked out again. It worked out again. So this sort of starts to build out trust that actually I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, 
and that the world actually collaborates with you in in that way that if if i put worry and anxiety in i'll i will see it come back to me but if if i just stay focused on what i what gives me joy what gives me inspiration and and what has my alignment to to myself covered um it somehow just works out i used to work with a, a guy whose parents had a small recording studio in detroit and that obviously lived with some uncertainty there and his advice was was always to enjoy it when it's busy enjoy it when it's slow exactly uh, and that's a, that's also another thing like um if this doesn't work out maybe you maybe you need a break <laughs> and uh, and as absurd as it might be be feeling to just laying low at that kind of moment and not you know do nothing for a while maybe that's exactly what you ought to do and uh, and that would actually tie into the to the covid situation and and my own life this spring if 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 you want i can share about what happened with me yeah absolutely please so uh on turn of february and march we were in japan playing and and those were almost the last gigs we played this year and um we played for 600 people in tokyo on sunday and we played um, another gig in osaka on saturday and on Sunday, after the Tokyo gig, on the, on the news in Japan was that the government asked people to, to, to not go to any events anymore. Um, they had already canceled big events like the sumo, sumo wrestling championships were canceled already. And all the major events with over a thousand people participating. And uh, we it, we we went to Japan with mixed feelings. We sort of it's it's quite a strange feeling to step up, step into a plane, not knowing if you have a flight back, not knowing if if you end up play, to play those gigs or not. So it was just a kind of leap of faith to go, and I'm I'm happy we did get to play those shows, but it was like right literally in the last last shows that were played in in japan coming back home um um uh we we played two shows in finland the next week and and uh i started to have some symptoms i had some low fever and um and uh some feelings in my lungs um i wasn't tested because uh i had only very mild symptoms so uh so it's uh it's um um uh, they they weren't testing people with only low symptoms at that time over here so i you know they didn't take me in uh so i might have had the covid and i hope i did because if i did and and this goes worse over here then you know i'd be safe to help people um but who knows but anyways, I had some symptoms and uh, then came the news that our UK tour was cancelled and 
you know, to me, it was simply a relief. It was like, I don't want to be traveling in, in these conditions. I don't want to be out there when, when we don't really have the necessary experience or info of what's going on in the whole world. And, you know, what are the risks that there are for myself and what are the risks that I bring to other people if I just carry on? So these questions made it just a relief for me that the UK tour was cancelled. And, um, and within a week, um, everything was cancelled on March, April, May. And, uh, um, you know, that, that, that did hit me, of course. Like, but you know what was really funny is that since November, I've really struggled with my calendar. For this year i've really like i haven't find the usual alignment that i have with my work I, you know all the dates and fixing fixing events and fixing tours it all felt wrong and i didn't get it because there were really interesting opportunities really wonderful gigs but it just you know, I, I just felt displaced. I, I didn't feel the alignment. And to me, this is alarming. For, for me, this is always a message that, that I should stop. I should take time off. I should go within and listen and, and double check if, if I'm on the right path with my life. So I was already feeling this since November. And, and the stress of this feel of misalignment was there increasingly and then all of them got cancelled so you know somehow intuitively i knew that none of those shows will happen i knew that it's a waste of time to be planning those shows i didn't know but something in me knew by by telling me, by giving me this discomfort of, of the feeling that this plan is not aligned with, with what I'm supposed to do. Isn't that something? Definitely. So did you discover what you're supposed to do during this time? Well, well, I, I believe I did. And, and what happened next was that um, my symptoms continued about three weeks. They were mild, but they were enough to sort of like feeling kind of low with every idea of working, mm. <laughs> you know. And, and to me, it was a clear sign that, that unplug, unplug from everywhere. Don't listen to anybody. Just unplug. Say no to everything and just stay and listen. Just stay and listen. Listen for where the alignment is. Because if you're not feeling the flow, if you're not feeling the alignment, um, it's no use to trying to figure it out in your head. It's no use to sort of like um, start thinking what worked before or, or what 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 helped you in, in some other situation or, or figuring it out. If I do the same thing I've always been doing, but a little bit differently, maybe that's where the flow is. It's all nonsense because you can just simply stop and, uh, 
and stay stay patiently and listening listen 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 go out to the woods go out to the nature find the balance within and uh, and listen and after a couple of weeks um of just listening and a couple of weeks not doing anything and just listening is quite a long time. It takes quite a lot of patience to just return to listening. <laughs> and uh, I just had an idea. I have an old computer at my house uh, that I haven't opened in 10 years. And there's, there's, a, there's a hard drive there that's full of music that was recorded by a trio that didn't perform that much, but I, I really loved those guys. And, and playing with this trio was, was, was blissful. And, but for some reason, nothing happened with that trio. We played maybe two gigs or something within two years. So it wasn't going anywhere. But, but what we created together was really meaningful. And I've kept that computer there because I know that our rehearsal tapes are there. And I know that at some point I want to go back to that hard drive and listen them all through. And um, so I had that. I had, a, I had a moment of inspiration that, yes, I want to do that. And I did nothing. I, you know, because I wasn't sure if that was just an idea from my head or was that really coming from a deep inside so i did nothing i kept listening and um, the second day it still felt inspiring and a third day i just couldn't help myself i just had to follow that inspiration and do it and there i listened about six hours of rehearsal tapes uh, on that hard drive and uh, it was so purifying because I realized that there was things that were really, really better in my own life, really better in my own playing, really better in my own expression 10 years ago. There are things that are better now. There are, of course, development and, and expansion and a lot of good things that I can do now better than 10 years ago. But listening to those tapes, I connected with something that I had left behind and something that has been haunting back there. Sort of like, look here, you know, here's something in your own creativity that you're not breathing in fully. And, uh, and uh, at that point, inspiration just returned. And, um, I'm I'm at the point now I'm I'm um I'm so excited and and waiting a new recording gear to show up from Germany I've ordered it already and I I've, I've done a throughout update on the working environment I have at home and uh, there was a big question to me that maybe the procrastination that uh was a big part of my life at home is because the working environment wasn't to my liking at all at home. I, I accused a lot of traveling and just the need of recovering from all the travel days, dates, but maybe that wasn't it. Maybe I just simply didn't have the tools that inspire me. And uh, now 
now I've ordered those tools and updating the whole system and I'm just super excited. And I, I know that all of this will, will change my habits of working in hope. And the, the, the important lesson in this story is that it's no use to go directly to where I am now. It's no use to sort of like just jump in and say that, hey, this sucks. I'll, I'll go and buy a, buy a ton of new toys and then I'll be happy. You know, this doesn't work. We all know it doesn't work. But if you stay in silence, if you just listen and just patiently wait for the alignment and then start to act, then, then you are actually back with the inspiration you're back with with the guidance you're back with with a full alignment and authenticity and doing what you are supposed to do and it feels great and it doesn't let you down so from your experience Tomas, where is that line or how do you know when it's shifting over from um being still and patient and listening and just not doing anything well, like just procrastination well um um i think we we don't generally recognize that not doing anything consciously is is tedious work so you know escaping to to watch the full full season of vikings on 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 netflix or whatever that's not actively doing nothing. <laughs> so, so when you are actually actively doing nothing, it's a lot of work. It, it, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of focus. And it's also that kind of work that you can't do to the day's end. You, you got to go and watch that Vikings or, or whatever series. You, you got to take a break. You got to take, take rest from doing nothing also. Isn't that something? A bit of a paradox there. Yeah, it is. But the thing is that the kind of listening to your intuition, it's sort of, it's sort of, it's consciously um, training. It's consciously um it, it takes a lot of energy. It looks like you are doing, it looks to the outside that you are doing nothing, but actually you are turning your guts around. You know, you, you, you are rebuilding yourself from the inside out. And it's a lot of work. And, uh, and along that work, there, there's probably some ghosts that will will pop up you know some fears from your past some, some failures from the past some some things and memories that block you some you know these things start to show up when you just silently there and just just witness them just allow them to come say yes to them because oftentimes we we, we tend to go away from anything that's uncomfortable that's what we talked with the lament too, that, that when, you, when you consciously go into grief, you, when you choose to say yes to grief and experience the grief fully, you're not the same person after you've done it. 
and and that's that's a big internal work that happens there a lot of shifts happen and the ripple effect of that is is not for us to to be be known we can't do it sort of like uh when i do this i know that then i will be like that it doesn't work like that you really have to just be with the unknown um, and listen to the unknown in order to reach that place and say yes to all those uncomfortable things and by doing this you know you are working you are doing something very valuable and um, so this is one part of listening and feeling where the alignment is and to me a big technique in this is really not to answer these things from your mind but just silently listen by asking the questions really asking the le- the, the the questions one big question to ask is that um, how how am i not who am i how am i how am i in relation to 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 the who am i and just sitting with that question not trying to answer it 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 immediately brings feelings how am i and when you sit with those feelings slowly things start to come up in your conscious mind A lot of paradox here and, and you started to explain it because I was wondering, you know, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but the active not doing, yeah. um, and just how one makes that leap. And so you started to answer it right there with just the, the questions that, that you're asking yourself and being able to sit with those questions. Um, you know, yeah. some, some of us don't sit still well. So I was wondering is, you know, there's something you do through, journaling is it in a dark room do you go for a walk in the woods is it all of them how do you approach it i do all of that actually you know if you want we can do a practice that helps exactly that a little bit yeah so uh um breathing is a big part of these these things and there, there are tons of magnificent breathing exercises there they're available so so I really encourage people to to study their own breathing and and um, and go online and find different breathing techniques and try them out because because there's a lot to be discovered there. But um, but this exercise that came to my mind is is came from your word posture. How do you stand with these things? And uh, um, mm. oh, yeah, this is actually an exercise that can go rather far if we want to. <laughs> um, well, walk, walk us through so that someone yeah. listening would be able to. Yeah. So just, you know, sit, sit up comfortably. And this time, I think it's good to sit up. And just um, just feel your back. And while you're breathing in, 
just naturally, effortlessly breathing in and out. While you're breathing in, be conscious of your back. And be conscious how your back spine is, is uh, holding you upwards. There are a lot of muscles there, little muscles that, that are comfortable working and, uh, and um, keeping you in a good posture. You might want to move a little bit or, or you know, rock and sway and find that comfortable balance place to be. And just feel that your back is strong. And when you breathe out, feel how your front is soft. So you're breathing in with a strong back and breathing out with the soft front. Chest is soft, the belly is soft. And now you, you, you are combining two things, strength and gentleness. Breathing in, strong back. Feeling how energy goes up your spine. And exhaling, feeling how it goes down your chest and stomach. So it's uplifting with strength and letting go with softness and ease and gentleness. And now you will quickly feel a balance. And this is something very natural for us, that our back would be strong and our front would be soft. Sometimes in situations we, we turn this around so that we, we confront things. And when we confront things, we, we, uh, um, we, we start to We, we start to use our muscles and in, a, in, in front, we are not loose and relaxed in our front, but we lose that strength from our backs. But when you're naturally aligned with your own strength, your back is strong and your front is soft. And what I love to do with this is feeling the ground, that I'm really aware of my foot soles and feeling the ground, how my foot soles are touching the ground. And when I inhale, I can inhale from the ground up. And when I exhale, I exhale, exhale back to the ground. So I become 
part of circulation here. With an inhale, energy comes up from the ground, up the spine, around my skull, and down the chest, the tummy, legs, and back to the ground. And when you feel this grounded place and a balanced place within yourself, that's the place where you can start asking these questions. How am I? And sometimes the body gives you a hint. It, it shows something uncomfortable going on somewhere. And that's, that's a place where you have to give attention and affection. So to create that with affection, acknowledge it's there and breathe into that. And with this exercise, you can also, because there's so much uncertainty and also death involved now in, in the global experience under the COVID. You can even, even breathe in life and breathe out death. You can play with that image a little bit. Bring, breathe in life force and breathe out death. And then reverse it after a while so that you breathe in death and breathe out life. Millions and millions of cells are dying in your body every day and millions and millions of cells are given birth in, inside of your body every day. So when you inhale death, you give attention and energy to that which wants to die, which is naturally dying already inside of you. By breathing in death and exhaling life, you actually start to make friends with death. Death isn't scary. It's a natural part of you. Natural part of the life cycle. And just staying there, just staying in these places in multiple ways and multiple times. You can practice being, being in balance, being in guidance and, and being supported no matter what's going on.
So how's that for you? That's good. That's good. <laughs> so these are really simple things and and uh, and uh, simple ways of actively doing nothing. And actually uh I think it's dishonest if I if I'd say that this is doing nothing. The the doing nothing comes in between. You know, the the actual because this is very actively doing nothing. But when we when we stop these exercises and uh, just go walk, have a walk in a, in in an in outside or or lay down in a couch, not taking the cell phone, not going online right away. Maybe we listen to some music or something that that if that helps. But when we go into that relaxed space where we are really not doing anything, that's when when these exercises actually start to work within within us, when we don't pay attention to them. And when we come back to, to them, they give us more and more answers. And one big thing for for the for the question you asked, like how do you know that it's time to to keep on listening and and uh, when when you know that you are aligned, is that um, that um, a lot of times our ideas come from our environment. They are not our own ideas. They come from from the environment. They are somebody else's ideas. And sometimes it feels great to play along to those ideas. And sometimes you, at least for me, it happened many times that, that I get enthused about someone else's idea. I start acting upon it. And after a day or two, I'm like, what, what am I doing? Why, why did I say yes to this? I'm, you know, honestly, I'm not that in, into this at all. Um, so that's that's one place where where ideas and inspiration comes outside of us and and sometimes we get confused sometimes we feel other people's inspiration as our own inspiration which is it's not and sometimes our ideas are just memories repeating themselves memories of experiences that 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 we think that because world has been like this it will be like it in the future as well and and memories repeating sort of like we act upon a memory because it feels comfortable because we know it we know how it goes when we act like this and it's comfortable even though we don't like it it's somehow weirdly comfortable but then there's there's real inspiration and real inspiration comes from nothing it's come it comes from no thing from the unknown and when when an idea comes to you and 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 you you recognize that there's something in this idea that i haven't been planning on <laughs> that's a, that's a good start that's a good place to sort of like feel out that that okay i've been introduced with something 
something that 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 is new something that is not coming from the past ideas and and just to sit with those ideas for for some time and let them sink in they either start to generate energy inside of you in a way that you you have a gut feeling that you really want to want to do this like with with my computer story um in a third day i just did it because because it would have feel unnatural not to do it so when when you actually you find the flow there is no questions anymore but the more difficult question is that there's always a threshold that you have to go over and sometimes that threshold is is um um it's there for different reasons and you you never know you just have to go over it to find out what ha- what ha- what happens after hmm. you know i've been hearing a, a lot of talk i assume we we all have just the idea that you know if you have downtime now now is the time to do all those things that you've been planning on doing all your life um you know writing a great novel learning a new language solving world's problems, those sorts of things. Um, But it strikes me that I haven't heard anyone really saying, hey, everyone, now would be a really good time to sit down, reflect, think about, um, you know, create some space to just think. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like we, we tend to default to action versus taking this pause. And so I I appreciate your, your description of how to do it of kind of priming the brain through, through breathing and sitting in quiet before even, even getting to asking the question. Exactly. And and then doing it in an iterative process, not expecting an immediate answer, but just priming the brain and coming back to it. See, uh, sometimes you do get answers very quickly. But there's always a risk that you are answering from your default setting of your brains. You are, you are answering from things that you already know. And uh, and if if that's the place where you go go to the I know mode, there's a great risk that you are actually not listening anymore. So uh, so that's the thing, you know, not not to assume answers right away and not to even necessarily want them right away (laughs) savor them savor the listening because it can be a very beautiful place to be and i i really think you know i i hope i really hope that we don't go back to normal um and by saying this i do hope that we 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 go over this. I I do hope that that a lot of things will come back to us. I, I do hope that this is not definite, you know, situation that we stay for forever. Of course, but um, but going back to normal, I I hope that we don't go back to that normal that was normal before this. Well, and. I- I was actually going to to ask you about that a little bit because you had mentioned you've already seen change and I suspect many people have seen and you know we're talking about paradox and irony a little bit that 
through this forced separation, it seems like people are connecting more and deeper and going beyond small talk and really getting into how you are and supporting each other. And it feels like communities are even tighter. And there is so much that, you know, the the normal was just kind of where we were, where we evolved to over time. And it's, it's rare that we get a chance to step back and go, okay, which pieces do I want of that? And which pieces do I want different? So exactly. And that's exactly what, what I would ask everyone who's been laid off now to think, you know, um, if, if you really miss your, your job, you can still think what was working in your job and, and what do you want to change when you go back? How do you want, do you want to be different when you go back to, to, to your work? And maybe some of you don't want to go back to the same, same job at all. And what a golden opportunity this is to really be laid off because no one is offering you a plan B. No one is offering you the same thing that you've been always doing in a new form. No, 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 no one's going to do it right now. So now is really the time to, to, to ask these questions and, and feel it out. How could things be different? when I do return, when, when the activity level does return? Those are good questions. And I, I think that ties nicely with, we're talking about living with uncertainty and just being able to accept that, yes, there is uncertainty and that may not necessarily be a, a bad thing. And especially in this moment where we, we may have a time to reflect more, or at least, the world may be telling us this is a really good moment for us to pause and reflect. Yeah. At least it does offer that opportunity to, to most of us at, at the time being. So I, I, I almost hate, hate to shift gears here to something a, a little bit lighter uh, mm-hmm. along those lines, but, but still, still probably relevant to many people. You know, one of the things is uh, I like many, many parts of the world are, are now doing, you know, video meetings and those sorts of things. And you, you really get a look into, you know, your, your, your peers, your coworkers, your counterparts' lives. And, and I see a lot of people where they're now working from home and they never plan to. Like if you're set up to work yeah. from home, that's one thing. If you're suddenly working from home and, you know, I, I see people with them and their spouse and their kids and their dog and their cat all around the <laughs> dining room mm-hmm. table trying to get anything done. And one of the things that has not come up in this conversation much or, or the people who, who weren't familiar with you otherwise may not be aware that is, I mean, you are in a rock band, you mm. travel the world, you're packed into buses and planes and living on top of, you know, the, the, the rest of the band and anyone traveling with you, the technical support and all that for extended periods of time. And so I don't know if it relates directly, but what is your advice for just getting along in tight quarters when, when you have to, when there isn't a choice? Well, the, the, the most important thing for me in managing my day in, in, in a tour bus is to acknowledge and appreciate that all of us are very different. 
that I have my needs and I have my borders that need to be respected. And I have to let other people know, know about them very honestly. I shouldn't assume that they know. And on the other hand, I have to respect and learn the other people's boundaries and borders and respect them. Because when, when you are in this situation that, that you, you are locked down together, that's not the time when, when, uh, when I would suggest you to, to, to uh, solve all your conflicts. <laughs> Or sort of, kind of, kind of, you know, find. Uh, so, so it's more like finding the common ground where where you are comfortable with 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 each other, and finding the ways how you can support each other, but also letting others around you know what other things that you need, what other things that you you, um, um, how could they help you and how can you help them and uh, this doesn't have to be difficult um, I think especially with us with Korpiklani we have a really good group of people that are very different from each other um, we have very different habits on a road and uh, we are just really an odd bunch of people um, uh, like I know some other bands that, you know, when they travel, they go together to the same, to see the same attractions in the city. And, you know, they, they have the, the schedule that everybody participates and, and they like to participate do the same things because they, they are close to each other with, with what they like and how they are and how they, how they behave. But we are not, we are definitely not. And, uh, that is the most beautiful thing of of our odd group that we can actually be in those tour buses and 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 just live with each other and respect each other as we are without this kind of uh, demand for for someone to be just like me or or have the same boundaries and same needs as i do so that's definitely something that helps a lot to to be very clear about these kind of things and and it's not often easy to honestly uh, voice out your own boundaries and boundaries doesn't have to be like stone walls that you can't see through the boundary can be like a garden wall you know like uh, like some some fen fence made out of of bushes that is only a one knee high everybody knows that there's a border everybody knows there's a line but you can see it through so you don't you don't have to fight for your borders but they have to be somehow visible and clear and easy to acknowledge and that helps a lot hmm ask something else <laughs> <laughs> well with within that and, and maybe you, you've already answered this but you know that i 
expect my, what I would envision is, you know, you have creative types together, you have egos together, you have just the strain of travel together. So being clear on, on borders and boundaries and asking for grace and receiving grace all goes a yeah. long way. What about when there, when there is actual conflict, you know, when, when pressures do build, is there a way that you found to deal with it, if not easily, <laughs> at least, um, appropriately, because these are all relationships that need to continue. This isn't like, you know, when, when you go to work and you have coworkers and then you go home in the evening, you know, this is, you're, you're with each other. Um, more like yeah. the family is with each other, even when they're very different people. So I guess from, from your experience, what have been some of the best ways to resolve those conflicts when they do spill over? Well, I, I don't have an easy answer to that, but all in all, I think that whenever there's a conflict, there, there's something is becoming visible in, in conflict situations. Something that has been hidden before is coming visible. So oftentimes the conflicts situations sort of um, escalate in a way that, that, that energy is only building up people are getting more and more agitated and and the arguments are getting uglier and uglier and 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 uh the the whole conversation goes astray from from the original fact that sometimes doesn't get voiced out at all that that thing that issue that is becoming visible because of the conflict and uh so the quicker you can sort of call yourself from that emotional space that, okay, I've been triggered. Because, you know, if you are angry and yelling to someone, you've been triggered. Your, your system has, has been triggered, right? So it's already happened. So, so uh, the, the sooner you acknowledge it that, okay, I've, I've been triggered. I'm not thinking clearly anymore. I'm, now I'm only just reacting. Um, to, to withdraw, to just simply withdraw and, and start asking about what is it that we actually want to be talking about? Because none of you want to be mean to each other. None of you want, you know, we've all been countless times to those situations when we say things and, and 20 minutes later, well, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, right? You know, that's, that's how we, that what happens in a conflict, we start to say things that we, did, we don't mean to. So once you become aware that you've been triggered, once you are aware that, okay, I'm just reacting to, to words here, um, then you, you gain control of yourself back and, and you can, start asking like what is it that we really want to talk about and if you can get there the conflicts can be very fruitful and are very fruitful and uh and but also sometimes when everybody's emotional and agitated the only thing that is this possible to do is to live those emotions through to just wait for that emotional wave to go uh, go through 
like often when we are triggered in our in our subconscious mind something triggers some kind of a reaction comes up when when we are already reacting we we've we've lost the game for for some time already we we kind of have to play that tape to the end before we can stop it and and so sometimes we just have to outlive those emotional things and then get back to them when we are back in our senses about what what is it that we really need to discuss about and uh this last phase coming back to them when you it's a little bit like with kids you know like when when you know when your children has a has a rage attack you know that's not the time to talk senses to them right so um so in a similar ways we adults we aren't that different we also need the time for our emotions to roll over us and go through us before we can actually address what what really happened well that's good advice i mean we we have covered it so we've been talking for a little over an hour now mm, us, and yeah. we have covered a lot of ground around you know uncertainty and really looking to how, how do we get kind of square in ourselves how can we get quiet and, and listen to that intuition um what, what I thought was kind of a, a light question about getting along in tight quarters is actually you know, fairly profound in, you know, this, this is what we're dealing with. And, and yet it connects back to that uncertainty because uncertainty promotes tension. And so this may be a good place to, to kind of wrap up the conversation. But, but before we do, I want to ask you, is there anything that we, we haven't talked about that um, you want to make sure that we covered or that would fit in well with what we've been talking about? Well, I kind of want to tell a little story about my own son now that the homeschooling is happening because just as an example of of the many blessings that this situation can offer us. And um, as a person who travels about 100 and I have have about 150 travel days a year. And uh, of course, that that amount of traveling affects my family. And um, and uh, this long stay at home has really helped me to reconnect with my son in 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 a new way, and I can see things being healed. But one of the big things was the homeschooling, and I think I think not many of us spend our time with our kids so that we do something with our kids. And then we move on to do something else with our kids. And then we move on to the next things that we again do together with our kids. Like quite often nowadays, people do something with their kids and then that time is sort of spent and now I can escape to my own things, right? So, so I wonder how common it is that, that families spend time with like this that they do one thing together and move on to do another thing together another thing together another thing together and for me that's been such a big big moment big thing to happen and big experience to have and 
the connection I have with my son out of this, like, like, and these can be really small things like helping him out with maths for, for 20 minutes. And after that, you know, um, cooking something together. And after that, playing a little bit PlayStation together with him, you know, anything, it doesn't have to be like big tasks that we do. It could be, you know, 10 minutes of one thing and then moving to, to another thing. But this sort of continuation of, of, of several tasks done together really deepened our connection. And, and, uh, and one of the things that was really funny between me and him was that, that he always wanted to defeat me. You know, he, he always had to be better than me. So, so he never took advice from me. But now, thanks to homeschooling, he's had to. And it just changed effortlessly. It's just like within a couple of days, it, it's like the most natural thing ever for him to ask advice from me. And, um, you know, how beautiful is that? What a blessing. And to me, I really don't want to go back to the time when school handles the education and home is home. You know, I, I think it would be absolutely wonderful to have these homeschooling days become somehow, you know, intertwined to the schooling system, that us as parents could be more, um, uh, I don't know what's the word, infiltrated or, or more intricately in, in, in the schooling system too. So... Uh, so this is just, you know, to to point us somewhere lighter, some, you know, some to some beauty that that clearly is available here in these difficult situations, and um, and uh, and uh, just acknowledging that that there are so many layers in this world, so many possibilities in this world. And we never know them all. And how good is that with, that we don't? You know, I, I love that. That's also something I have not heard or seen put out there as we're thinking about, you know, what do we do with our, with our time during this, this period is just building on those relationships, the relationships that we have. I mean, I, I mentioned, I think some yeah. people are, are doing that community wise and checking in with people, you know, across, uh, across town, across the world. But you know, those, those people that were with the most, uh, the family, the friends and using that as an opportunity to not just have the relationship exist, but, but take it someplace else. Um, yes. Go better with it. And so, uh, Anyway, I, I, I love that thought. Um, you know, we're talking about really learning about ourselves a bit deeper, and now we're talking about learning about those around us a bit deeper, which we should probably be doing all the time anyway. But uh, you know, there there is kind of that unseen opportunity here, here and now. So um, yeah, and also what's so beautiful now is the the appreciation that we are showing to those people that mostly go unseen in mm -hmm. everyday life. So that, that is so beautiful and something that I really hope that we don't lose that, that we'll, we'll keep on uh, 
keep on with that. Keep on appreciating those unseen people more and more uh, in, in our daily lives. Well, beautiful thoughts. Um, Tomas, this has been fabulous. Uh, mm. I've, as always, really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, you know, just but the, the combination of the, the deep philosophy with the, the practicality has been great. Um, mm. Thank you. Well, we have, a, we have a good thing in this, this podcast, third time, and there's, there's something special here, you know. It's, it's always a good moment when we talk. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I feel like I do have to switch back into kind of the podcast thing. And so where can people find you if they do want to learn more about you and find out what you're up to? Well, there's, my website is, is going well nowadays. So there's uh, rounakari.com, R-O-U-N-A-K-A-R-I.com. So that's definitely the best place to to learn more about me and and also um um there's the facebook page also that 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 at times i'm quite active <laughs> so well welcome over there and and uh, and signing up to the email list on on the ronakari.com website is also highly recommended well, excellent. Well, Tomas, thank you so much. Thank you. Been a pleasure.